Listen up. When I started talking about Nasser, I lost all my friends. So I don't want to talk about Nasser ever again. My friends don't understand me. And I wish they would. I tried to tell them about Nasser. But it don't do no good No, I don't want to talk about Nasser Ever again Cause every time I talk about Nasser I lose another one of my friends Yeah, every time I open my stupid mouth Something about NASA comes flying out No, I ain't gonna talk about NASA again Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flat Earth Podcast I'm your co-host Curious J alongside me Dave from deep inside the rabbit hole Back again for another dose of Flat Earth Audio Dave, what's going on? We just opened up with the new song, new single from the Flat Earth Man. How's it going, man? That song actually is describing how I'm feeling. I've been, uh, I, I set a goal for myself every day to not be completely disgusted with humanity and not to have my mind blown. And I've been failing every day by 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, don't get out the house then. I was about to say, don't don't leave the house. Don't check the web. Uh, don't do anything. It, 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 it's yeah. just uh, amazing with all the deception going on in the world, the SpaceX uh, thing that recently just happened, and and how people are just believing this crap. Yeah, I totally agree. We, um, we're going to play, for those of you, that was a snippet of the new single from the Flat Earth Man. What we'll do is we'll play the full song at the end so that they can uh, get a dose of what you're feeling as well, Dave. And speaking of SpaceX, you know, I'm actually glad that we're kind of covering this you know, about two weeks after the fact, which I'm kind of glad because it's allowed, before we're touching on it, it's allowed so much to come out, so many videos and, and comments and um, et cetera. What do you think about the, uh, <laughs> give give us the short of it. How, how much BS is the, uh, the car in space? It is so fake at this point. I mean, I, I can't <laughs> think of anything faker except some of the other stuff that's going on in the world. I mean, it is, there's nothing real about it. You saw um, a lot of people are mirroring that um, video of the five space shuttles launching at the same time and all the people video, you know, shooting it with their with their iPhones and, and then the people in space. That looks more real than the, the SpaceX launch, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, well, but Dave, you could tell that the SpaceX is real. You know what's funny, people? It looks, because it looks Jay so fake. Jay hadn't seen it, and I said, here, watch this. And he goes, what is this? I go, and I said, it's real. And he's trying to figure out, when did this happen? Like, I don't remember such an epic launch. Yeah, I said. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it looks real. I mean, imagine if yeah. SpaceX or NASA put that out as real. All of the fanboys would be going, there you go, you know, ball earthers. You know, I mean, flat earthers. There's your proof. There's your proof. <laughs> right. So for for those of you who haven't seen the video, I know they they showed it on Globebusters, and a lot of people have mirrored it. Uh, easy to find it. Go to uh, Mark Sargent's channel, for instance. Look at SpaceX is real. Uh, don't research flat Earth. And it's this incredible video where 
just to describe it, I mean, it's basically five shuttles launching at once. There's a ton of people really, really close by watching. I mean, so close that, like, when the shuttles take off, the smoke, like, just invades the the, the, the people's, the viewers' camera shots. And um, then you actually get footage of the uh, astronauts up there in the shuttle when they open the hatch and can look at the Earth. And it looks so freaking real. There's also a shot where um, there's a couple cruise ships and it, you're seeing it come up from behind the cruise ships and the Globers would say, look at all those people. What do you think? All the people on the cruise ships were in on it also? It, it, it just shows how easy it is to fake this stuff and and you just believe. Yeah, th this has to be um, something out of somebody, you know, one of the better uh, what do you call them? Graphic artists, uh, editors, etc. Someone out of Hollywood. This is a really, really incredible video. It's like straight out of a movie. And, you know, a lot of people that I've talked to, this brings up a very interesting aspect of the uh, the entire argument, the entire debate. A lot of people I talk to about this, they say, when, when you know, when you show them a mistake by NASA or SpaceX or whatever, they say, yeah, but, you know, wouldn't they have like the best of the best working on this? They wouldn't make a mistake like that. And my response is, is I don't think, even with their budget, I don't think they would have the best of the best, Dave. I don't think they get all that money. All that money doesn't go to NASA. It just, you know, just enough goes to them to do the deception. It's just about taking the money away from the people. Yeah, and I think that, like, um, in Hollywood, for instance, if there's a bunch of these guys who are really known for their special effects, these companies or whatever, I think it's like if, if all of a sudden they dropped out of the film business... And then you're like, oh, what happened to John and his company? Oh, they're working for NASA. It would raise so many red flags. I think that they get freelancers. I think that they get young old, you know, possibly people who have been in the industry a while. But I don't think they're like actively recruiting the best of the best. I really don't. On the other hand, this could just be an intelligence test and anyone that falls for this stuff is just going to be, you know, taken off the map and the people that can see through it, they're trying to thin out the population of stupid people yeah, calling the herd. <laughs> I doubt it, but that's a, it's a nice thought. Yeah. I, I, um, that video <laughs> is how one would think it would look. And, and it totally, uh, shuts down what, you know, Elon says about the, the whole, if it looks, well, it looks so, uh, you can tell it's real because it looks so fake. Um, you know, if we had CGI, we'd be doing it better. Uh, not necessarily. You know what I mean? It's, it, I can't even talk about it anymore. It's just so, horribly done if you if you just watch the footage of the car the car is doing cartwheels because the earth keeps coming around the car in the front in the back so before this thing shoots off to mars it's doing pinwheels oh no it's is, i guess is, it's going to be spinning the whole time i mean yeah everything i've seen it, it was like literally spinning away from the earth and there, there's a point where you can see underneath through the wheel where all of the the axle is missing. You know, you could see the earth through it. There's another point where the earth, um, I think the, the the earth blinks out at one point. Oh no, that was on the rocket actually going up. Right. But um, did you see the dragon in the in the in the clouds? Oh no, I didn't. I so was waiting SpaceX for someone has, to report some cloud issues. Yeah, so the SpaceX has the dragon um, is the logo, and in the clouds behind the Tesla is the same dragon uh it's not even a stretch you look at it it's a dragon oh uh, you got to throw that up on the facebook page for everyone to see i, I will there there's a there's a lot of videos on uh, stoplookthink.com under hoaxes spacex 
all of the videos that uh, we there's a dedicated page to the SpaceX heavy uh, Falcon Heavy launch. Yeah, and it's been covered to death, uh, rightfully so, might I add, um, because people keep just keep finding more and more. You know, I guess the uh, the big thing was back uh, about about a week or so ago when Jaron. Um, reported live like oh my gosh he went live because everyone realized that the um the live video of the launch had been edited uh setting a precedent that is really really not cool that spacex can just change their live video after the fact keep their viewers keep their upload date um yeah really i mean bad news for all of us so uh, again that the fact that that was done um, people, people, you know, people like, okay, you know, they fake the launch. What does that mean? Well, you know, they fake the moon landings. What does that mean? You have to unwind this. And if you start unwinding it, um, that they change that video, that means that SpaceX, Google, the powers that be are all one. It, there is this, that is impossible to do. Um, it can be done cause it was done. So that, that just shows that it's not a private company. They're part of the satanic deception that we live under. Cue the uh, evil organ music right there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, and uh, speaking of posting on Facebook, I don't know if you put this up there on the on the Flat Earth Podcast page, but um, I know I texted you and Jaron a picture of the greatest thing I'd ever seen, which was someone who put up the flyer of the Lost Kitty. Oh, the lost kitty, uh, no, no curvature. That's that's one of my favorites. <laughs> so this is amazing. Everyone has seen at one point in their life, many points in their life, you've seen a, a lost dog or a lost cat, uh, f- you know, flyer poster or whatever hanging up on the telephone pole or whatever. So somebody made one with a beautiful, little, cute little kitty, right? A little picture, and it says, "Has have you seen this kitty? His name, <laughs> in smaller font, his name is Research Flat Earth." <laughs> And like the curvature of the false globe model, he is missing. So please research flat earth. And then it's got little bullet points underneath it. I mean, this thing looks just like a lost kitten flyer. Uh, (laughs) I'm hoping we have a lot of new listeners and they'll be like, wow, because that is very 2015. Just so you know, what is the, the, the flyer flyer? Yeah. Oh dude. Well, I've, I've like, I've been into, you know, flyers since I guess. Yeah. I guess it was the fall of 15. Yeah. And I've never seen this flyer. It's my favorite. I have it on, on my refrigerator, actually. I don't think Jaren had, either, had seen it either. I uh, flat smacked my, uh, the main drag in my town, uh, which is just you know, all these stores. And early in the morning, I went down and I taped them on every window <laughs> off one side of the street, top to it's bottom. It's amazing. It's amazing. So for those of you who are just getting into it or who have been into it and missed it, we got to throw that up there. Cause I, like I said, I think that's, I, I have the actual uh, PDF that people can print out and I'll try to find it oh, um, yes. and, and, and post it. Um, uh, we actually, uh, if I'm uh, plugging stop, again, uh, on the flat earth page, there's flat earth activism and there's cards that you can print out. We're adding more designs every day uh, that if you want to print up flat smacking cards, uh, you can print up your own and the, des- the designs are there to use. Yeah. You yeah. Just awesome. Yeah. Cause try, we had I'll several uh, messages and emails coming in about the cards that we had mentioned on the podcast before. So that's great. We're going to put it out there. Anybody can, you know, anybody can download it and uh, throw them out there. But I just thought the kitty flyer was incredible. Like who's not going <laughs> to, it's so great, man. That's like the best <laughs> on the topic of SpaceX. 
Uh, moving over to and a new topic that we want everybody to get into. First of all, let's talk about your theory where what the ISS is actually covering up leading to the uh, development of the Humanity Star. I, I've talked about this before, and it's just something I've been working on. Um, that stars, there are luminaries in the sky. You know, planets are used to be called wandering stars. And, you know, there's many... Uh, texts, ancient texts that talk about the planets being gods, they're all named after gods, and that that stars are etheric beings, are energetic uh, luminaries. I don't have the right words for it, but you know, our stars host our souls. Maybe we are having a physical experience here, but our true soul is in the star. So cue the uh, new age music right here. Yeah, cue the new age music. Um, there's all the there's there's lots of biblical texts and stuff talking about when the gods return to Earth, and and I've always talked about like Halley's comet. Maybe that's one of the luminaries or gods or whatever word you want to use uh, when it comes around. And in the 1980s or whenever the space shuttle was supposedly the the, the ISS was supposedly built. They uh, did that because there was a returning luminary and they're, they're like, oh, no, no, that's nothing to look at and be in awe of and, and, and give your respect to. That's just the space shuttle. That's just the space station. Because um, if any of you have seen, uh, have, have tracked it and, and watched it come, I've seen it go from horizon to horizon several times. It is literally as bright as the sun. It's the brightest thing in the sky and it travels across just like a planet does, but just much faster. And I think that this, the ISS is a cover for this luminary. I don't know what it's doing here, um, but it's more than just a light in the sky. Okay, so for the person who says to this theory, they say, well, that you know that can't be, because obviously you can and find that light that's zooming by horizon to horizon and zoom in on it, and you're going to see the ISS. What do you say to that? Only sometimes you do that, and, I, and they're using all sorts of trickery. They, they have planes up there. I know that Jaron thinks that they're just relaying from plane to plane to plane, um, but I don't think that they're doing that all the time. I think that some of the times when it's not lit up or, or, or they, they're setting it up so people can record something. You know, these moon transits, I, I have a, a convoluted theory on how that happens because those look so fake. We kind of we kind of um, are leaning towards the fact that the moon isn't a physical object that we see. The moon that we see is a reflection or a projection, and perhaps they're flying one of those planes behind the apparent position of the moon that people in you know this five square mile area are going to see the moon in a spot relative to their position. So they know that if they fly this this spy plane. Uh, in another position that it will line up with that position and block the moon. Um, and you'll see this transit. No one ever sees the space shuttle approach the moon or exit the moon, just like we don't see the, the that during a solar eclipse. Just like the eclipse, right? Yeah. So for anyone out there who just heard that theory and thinks, oh, that's a crock. These guys have totally lost it. That's impossible. It's possible. <laughs> it's definitely possible because that leads us to the next thing we wanted to talk about, which is uh, no. Very it's possible recent. that I've totally lost my mind. Well, right, right. Of course, we yeah. <laughs> but um, 
the theory, in fact, is possible yeah. because if you, you know, we, we encourage everyone to look into this because this is brand new. Um, you can go to the website, thehumanitystar.com. So let me, where, let me talk about that real quick before you get, get, get into it. Is I said, if my theory's true, there's going to be other ones arriving over the over the coming years. And uh, I think I, I heard that um, that China or Japan is planning on putting up a, a space station this year, 2018. I, it was announced a year or two ago. Um, and and they I think it's just going to be like, oh, there it is. It's here. They're waiting for this luminary to come back. But getting go, continue where you are, the humanity star. Well, yeah, no, no, it's. Um it's good that you threw that in, but basically what it is, it's like a man-made satellite that is going to look exactly like a star. And I believe it's about three feet wide or th- th- either three feet or three meters wide. It's and like a 64 sided, you know, hexagonal, um, disco yeah, ball, like a large disco ball in the, in the, um, in the sky, uh, with 76 highly reflective panels. It's going to spin rapidly reflecting the sun's rays back to earth. You know, and do you know the altitude? It's going to be it's going to be orbiting the Earth every 90 minutes, they say. It's going to be visible from anywhere on the globe. And the Humanity Star is designed to be a bright sim- symbol and a reminder to all on Earth about our fragile place in the universe. It's only going to be up there for nine months. And then they say, that's it. It's going to, I guess, fizz out or drop back to the ocean or whatever they, they're going to do with it. The, the orbit's going to decay and it's going to fall back. It's going to be the brightest thing in the sky um, at night. And it's going to be flashing. So you or would twinkling. think that if they're going to twinkling, yeah. you you would think that if they're going to do this thing to unite humanity, they would advertise it. They would film the launch. They would they would be telling people about it and promoting it. Um, we heard nothing. This was sent up by a, a new space agency out of New Zealand. They're one of their first rockets. Hello, they're doing great for their first time, aren't they? So this thing is is up there, and and here's my whacked out theory again: is that hey, somebody will be like, oh my god, I saw a UFO, it was flashing, it moved from here to here. They get all the information, and that way they can go, oh no no, that's just the humanity star. Go you know go look it up, um, and that's a, again a cover story for a returning luminary. Yeah, it's definitely a, a really uh, out there theory, but I think a good theory as well. It it's what else. Is it is the question? We know that objects aren't falling around the ball Earth. You know, we've all graduated to knowing that the fact that it's going around every ninety minutes and you can track it just like you can track the ISS uh, tells us it's not just a balloon. Um, it's something that has a very precise orbit, like a wandering star, yeah, aka planet. Yeah, as as we speak. Right now, as we're recording this, uh, you should be able to see it because it is uh, just a little bit above. Yeah, it's East Coast, like up by Canada. Earlier this morning, uh, earlier today, it was right over New York, but we had complete uh, and total cloud cover. Of course, of course. Um, Fake cloud cover, of course. For those of you who are first hearing about this, wondering more about it. Uh, the altitude is supposedly, it's supposedly 317 kilometers high. So it works out to be about 180 miles high. So it's, uh, it, here's where the stuff falls apart to me. So 
this thing is, if if I'm reading right, it's about 180 miles high, right? Um, almost as high as the supposed space station. Space station being 250. But the size of this thing is, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, three feet. Three feet. It reminds me of Sputnik. Like, what? How, I'm reading right here. The humanity star is one meter high, and it weighs 22 pounds. So we got a three football that is 180 miles high that can be seen with the naked eye from Earth. And it says that it's not visible during the day. It's only visible at night. So picture, if you will, a large beach ball, right? And we put in rotation around that beach ball. This is something that doesn't make sense in the ISS, but it definitely doesn't make sense on, on this disco ball. We put around that ball, we put uh, rotating around it, but we put it like three millimeters off the beach ball, a little bitty rotating BB, right? If that thing is on the night side of the earth, how the heck is it reflecting sunlight? You nailed it. I was talking to Iru today. It's too close. And uh, Bob, and he's doing the calculations and modeling it. There's no way that you could no see way. it. No way. There's no way that, it, that it, could, it could be lit up by the sun. And it says on their website that it is, in fact, lit up by the sun. That's why it's got 76 uh, highly reflective panels. I'm reading that it has 65 highly reflective panels. Well, I don't know where you're getting your info from, Dave. <laughs> I got it from a uh, an article that was in Spanish and translated, so maybe the Yeah, they the messed it up. Didn't I'm looking at well. humanitystar.com, and on the very front page at the top where you scroll down, it says, um, created by so-and-so, it's a geodesic sphere made from carbon fiber with 76 highly reflective panels. It spins rapidly, reflecting the sun's rays back to Earth. And why is it it's spinning? Oh, right, why is it spinning? And it's, it's only visible at nighttime. So... If that's the case, then yeah. you're on the night side of the Earth. You're completely away from the sun. How is the sun wrapping around the huge 8,000-mile-wide Earth, hitting this thing that's only 180 miles off the surface of the Earth? I, I don't even know what to say anymore. It, 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 they're hiding something. So there's something up there, and they're, they're, if these are, and, I, and, and if people that know me, I'm not, I'm the least religious person. You know, I was Mr. Science, evolution, the whole thing. And uh, the flat earth, like it's done to all of us, it taught, taught me that there is a creator and that, you know, uh, ancient texts, biblical texts have some sure. truth to them. And they talk about these returning luminaries, yes. these 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 returning luminaries, and then, you know, uh, the gods will return and the stars will fall to earth, if I have that correctly. There's something going on here. There's something going on. And, and heck, eclipses themselves, according to the uh, ancient texts in the Bible, were supposed to be, you know, they put the moon, uh, the creator put the moon and the sun up there to, to give us the, uh, the seasons and the days and to read time. But the eclipses were for signs. Signs of what? Well, now with science's explanation, uh, we don't. No one bothers to look and see. You know where we were supposed to take the eclipse uh, a couple weeks ago, the lunar eclipse or the solar eclipse last August. Were we supposed to be taking that as a sign? Well, no one Earth is because of science. And I'm kind of like you. It doesn't matter if one is religious or not. You don't have to be religious or a science NASA uh, fanboy 
to you don't have to be either side to recognize that science versus religion is like the oldest feud ever. Absolutely. I think it's a great theory that they're putting uh, that they're saying that they're putting something up um, to disguise something. They're definitely hiding something because when you look at this thing on the on the surface, I mean, it's so easily debunked. You cannot have a three. First of all, we would not be able to see a three foot ball. I don't care if it was made of a light itself. Take a three foot lamp, folks. Go get a, a, a large, huge uh, studio filming light. Back that thing up across a, a, a desert. You're going to tell me if you sent it 180 miles away, you'd still be able to see That's insane. Right, and it's reflecting sunlight. I was about to say, but this isn't even a light itself. It's just a bunch of panels reflecting light. It's not even the light source. So the humanitystar.com were asking people to go there, read through that website, see all the one-eyed symbolism on there and other, see what else you could find and, uh, and help us investigate this one. This one is uh, interesting to me and maybe uh, track it and see if anyone could uh, film it. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Speaking of looking up at stars, we were talking before we started the show, Dave, about how Jerem was mentioning on something recently, how in the moon landing, uh, in all the transcripts of the moon landing, when the astronauts are walking on the moon, they never say, you never hear them say, wow, look up at the Earth. Look at the Earth, Earth, Jay, Earth. Jay, when there's a, a full moon and it just rises and you go outside and um, you know, you're not expecting to see it and you see it, what, what do you say every time? Wow, look at that moon. Yeah, wow, look at the moon. And you point it out and say, hey, look at the moon. Wow, and you stare yeah. at it. And that happens every month, right? Yeah. These yeah. guys get to the moon. And the Earth, which is four times bigger, in full color, and where they live. You know when you're in an airplane and you're flying over your hometown? You go, look, there's my house. There's my house. And you're all excited. right? These guys are on the moon. And the conversation, you know, Mission Control is like, uh, Mission Control to Alpha... Uh, you know what? Can you check the 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 edge factor, multi factor duplexer? And they'll be like, "Look at the <laughs> fucking Earth! Oh my God, Neil, <laughs> Buzz, look at the Earth! Right. Holy crap, dude, this is gorgeous!" Right, uh, folks, it would be four times larger. Like, imagine being out on a cruise ship, and you go out on the deck. It's pitch black, and like like Dave said a second ago, all of a sudden, you know, the moon comes up, and it's a full moon. In the pitch black, uh, you know, sailing on the ocean, and it's a clear night. You're like, oh my god, this would be four times larger, glowing, and it's the place you live. And yet, you never hear any of the astronauts remark about it, which is just completely, uh, just flies in the face of everything that is human. But even before they brought that up, I've I've said that all along. As far as the stars go, you don't hear them ever say, "Holy crap, look at the star!" Hey, Buzz, look at the stars! Like you don't hear it. And we, I mean, I've been out in the, uh, you know, way before I looked into this flat earth stuff, I've been out in the desert. I've been out in the, uh, in the forest at night when the, uh, when the sun goes down and it is pitch night, one can't go 30 feet without going, oh my gosh, look at the stars. I mean, when it's one of those picturesque planetarium nights, you immediately stop what you're doing, no matter who you are and look up and go, wow, look at the stars. It's amazing. Just the star thing alone proves that we're being lied to you know astronauts you can't see any stars the sky's pure white the stars were amazing you can't see them during the day you can you can see them all the time i mean they can't get their story straight we've sent balloons up um at night you know Dwayne kellum and globusters and everyone else um and the stars are 
they essentially disappear. I've taken a flight, you know, to Hawaii at night and I'm looking out. I saw like fives in the sky. You can't see anything. Right. Yeah. I, um, I checked it out the last time I was on a night flight and I could see what was really strange is I could see like a picture looking out the plane window, look at eye level at eye level from your eyes. I could actually see several stars in the distance, but anything above eye level, I couldn't see any. Right. It's really, really a uh, uh, weird because I've, I've been waiting to fly overnight ever since looking into all this because I've heard people say that you can't see them or you should be able to. But the fact is, is I could see them in a distance at eye level, which would indicate that those are the ones closer to the horizon far away. But yet I couldn't see any above that. And it was clear, clear, clear. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a cloudy night by any stretch. But yeah, I mean, I just... For NASA can say all they want, you know, the excuse of why none of the stars show up in their pictures from the moon. They always say, well, the, the exposure difference, the contrast, you know, if it's if the camera adjusts its, uh, its focal lensing for the uh, the ground level stuff, the astronauts and the surface of the moon, then it's automatically going to black out the stars. And you know what? That's that's a valid excuse. No, it's not. It's nonsense. Nick from Phuket World uh, proved it. He took his iPhone 4, I believe, and he was out on a street that had a bright street lights, and he's looking at the bright street light up at the light with his phone, and he could see the stars behind it. Yeah, now, if that's an iPhone camera, which is actually better than the cameras they had back then. Uh, <laughs> really? No, it what is. What about it the actually... cameras they have now? I mean... The, the ISS. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying for the moon landing. Oh, excuse. okay, the moon landing, sorry. The moon landing, the original moon landing, excuse, when the guys are walking on the moon, the cameras back then, I will I will give it to them. Okay, I'll take your excuse as far as why none of the moon landing pictures have stars in them. I'll take the camera exposure problem because it was a 1969 camera. But yep. it does not excuse the fact that never once do you hear the astronauts go, damn, dude, look, look at the stars. Holy crap. Or like you said, oh my God, Buzz, check out the Earth. Oh my God. I mean, you know. Hey, Jay, you know we never went to the moon, right? <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> I no, know that. Hey, oh my God, speaking of SpaceX, Elon, he's amazing. He put a Tesla in space, right? Meanwhile, in 1960s, we sent guys to the moons with a car and golf clubs, and they were they were freewheeling around the moon, you know, and doing all. This. Yeah, you kidding me? We've already put a dune buggy on on, on, on yeah. the moon. and and what Elon's doing is is great. A sixty million dollar dune buggy, by the way. Yeah, that's how much they uh, they charge for the making of the uh, the moon rovers, uh, which is basically like a frame of a jeep, yep. literally, and um, yeah. And another thing that I thought was interesting, too, is like, was it like, I think three years ago, NASA announced that we were going to go back to the moon and it was going to take 20 years to uh, to develop everything. And, you know, of course, to get back the lost technology, but it's going to take 20 years. So 2032 or something like that, we were going to go. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, so when Kennedy said we're going to go to the moon, let's do it. It took them eight years from 61 to 68, it took them eight years from the inception of the announcement of the idea to actually landing on the moon. It took eight years in the 60s. But now, with today's technology, it's going to take 20. Nonsense. None of this makes any sense, nonsense. folks. None of it. If you still believe in the moon landing, come on. Speak, speaking of nonsense, I uh, 
you know, like to listen to podcasts and stuff. And I was looking for some content this morning and I figured, you know, let me see who was on coast to coast. I used to listen to coast to coast a lot ahead. They, yeah, me too. You know, until I realized that, wow, they're really pushing the propaganda. Um, but today I read through the, the scrap, the, the description, 100% propaganda. They have Michio Kaka on, and he's talking about, uh, SpaceX about we need to get off this planet to, to have a backup plan because the dinosaurs didn't have a backup plan. You know, asteroids hitting Earth. Uh, NASA is going back to the moon. Elon's going to Mars and we could build, you know, there's caves there that are, you know, all set for us to start inhabiting. And, oh, and then um, then they started talking about an EMP attack and, a, and nuclear bombs coming from from Kim Jong Young and you know North Korea. <laughs> Comple- they did. They went. You know how they was it? What was the movie? Don't go full retard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tropic Thunder. They they, they went full yeah, retard. Tro- yeah, they went full retard today. <laughs> full retard. <laughs> if anyone's offended by that, you know what? There's bigger problems on this. I was about to say, get don't it. get offended. By the way, because it, we are uh, it, we're quoting. You can't be offended if you're quoting. Yeah. Right, we're quoting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, great point, great point. Um, oh, gosh, I didn't tell you this. So uh, a good friend knows that you know I'm into the flat earth, and she had a friend over one night, and I was visiting, and this guy is from New Zealand, and right now he currently does some sort of science uh, exploration out on the oceans, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'd love to ask him some questions, right? you know, ever any distance discrepancies or things like that, because this guy's sailing the Southern Oceans. I get to talking to him, and he's a, he's a, he was a physicist, and I'm thinking, oh, boy. And, you know, I didn't bring up Flutter. My roommate, like, kind of pushed. She wanted to hear. She, yeah, never. Let me say that again. I didn't bring up the Flat Earth, but my good friend uh, decided to go ahead and introduce the topic because I think she just wanted to hear the two of us go at it. <laughs> And so we did. And I brought up the fact, I didn't bring up Flat Earth, but I just started bringing up, well, there's a lot of things about science that I questioned. The first thing that came up was the recent, uh, first example I gave him was the recent lunar eclipse, where I said, look, the shadow came down from the top down. You know, how does how does the heliocentric model explain that? Well, long story short, it really backed up what we've said for since the inception of this podcast, that the more education you have, the scientists are going to be the last ones to ever allow this to get into their head, Dave, because this guy, he just fought and fought and fought. And, you know, as soon as you explain to him how something was impossible, he would fall back every time on the whole, well, you don't understand science. You don't understand the numbers. Well, okay, explain it to me. And he couldn't. You know, it's like the example you brought up a few episodes back where the doctors looked at these injuries and, you know, obviously these are impossible, but they're going to try to make it fit because faking it, well, that's definitely impossible. It, this guy just, uh, it was probably the most frustrating two and a half hour conversation. That uh, goes back to Alex's Flat Earth Man's uh, song. Yes. Um, let me tell you a little synchronicity. I was uh, on a long drive uh, earlier today and I call. I saw Alex online, so I gave him a call, and we started chatting. And uh, I started telling him of my uh, my woes and disgust with uh, people not being able to see through the SpaceX nonsense. 
and he goes, I got a song for you that that'll <laughs> just yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, that song is ex- as you'll hear at the end of the show is what happened. And there's a verse in the song which which actually happened to me. I was traveling a couple weeks ago. And I went out to dinner to a pub. I sat at the bar, the last seat at the bar, and there's people all around me, and there's a table behind me, and there's a table of about uh, six or seven uh, 30 or something year olds, you know, guys and girls, and they're talking about how cool it is that a uh, space that uh, Elon put a Tesla in space. It's so cool. It's going to Mars. This was uh, like one or two weeks ago, whatever it was, right after the launch. And, um, and, and I finally, I'm biting my tongue. It's bleeding. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm putting napkins in my mouth to stop the blood. And finally, I just turn around and I said, do you guys actually think that was real, that there's really a, a car in space? And they go, well, 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 oh, yeah, of course. I go, did you look at it? Did you use your eyes and your brains to see what they were showing you? And he goes, oh, no, we didn't see it. We just heard about it. And it's so cool. And I'm like. Dude. You didn't even see it, and you're just believing this nonsense. And I and I I went off on him a little bit. Then I just turned around and I go back and I'm listening to another conversation. Uh, the people saying that we have to do something about Kim Jong Un. He's going to drop a nuclear bomb on uh, on Hawaii. It's going to be the end of the world. And the rest of the people were watching the Olympics. So uh, on the televisions. So we have our our space fakery, we have our fear porn, and we have uh, we have uh, bread and circus. Oh total, yeah, total mind control. Yeah, yeah, completely. No, it's uh, I've heard others too remarking about how awesome it is and how cool it is, and I'm just oh man, I'm like you guys. I, I it, it's just um, it makes me lose faith in um, you know in, in in the people of the world today. Like good grief, man. What I've been doing more and more is I've been engaging people. Like I'm going on a flight uh, this weekend. I'm going to South America, uh, where we will be taking off, drive, uh, rising to thirty-five thousand feet, flying straight and level for seven hours, and then we will descend and land on a flat stationary runway. Because anything, if we have to deal with curvature, spinning, and whirling, I'd be a little scared. But I'm completely fine with it. Well, this. there's nothing to be scared of, Dave, because the plane just handles all that itself. Yeah. So I uh, the plan plane's on- mechanics and gravity work together hand in hand just to keep it going around <laughs> the ball. Dave, come on. I plan on uh, on my way into the plane uh, giving the pilots a copy of Edward Hendry's book. Ah, very nice. <laughs> so wow. We'll see if I come off the plane handcuffed. And if that doesn't work, just hang up a few uh, Lost Kitty flyers in the airport. Yeah, right? there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, speaking of the naysayers, there was a, an email that came through um, from a guy named Chris, and I wanted to respond to a couple things in this, but I wanted to read this really quick because, guys, obviously, you know, not a flat earther, <laughs> um, but I wanted to... A few of the things he said, ironically enough, were the things that I said to myself when I first heard this theory. So I just want to read this because so often we'll take speak pipes and, you know, a few emails and questions from people who are on the flatter side. And I, I want to give the other side, people who are tuning into this who are saying, oh, is this a joke type thing? I want to give them a say and then we can respond. Okay. Here we go. All right. This is from Chris. Okay. Here's the thing, guys. I'm going to approach this just as I would with a religious believer. You're the ones making the assertions, so the burden of proof lies upon you. 
You seem very interested in denying the scientific explanation given for, well, everything related to the fact that we live on a globe-shaped planet. There is ample evidence and explanation for the globe as we know it. You are asserting that there is an alternate reality at foot. You have suggested what you think it is, but you are failing to provide any explanation as to how or why that model may exist. On a general note, all flat earthers seem to live in a varying degree of paranoia and extreme distrust of the government and science in general. Personally, I think this is some form of a phenomenon related to the fact that humans have uncovered so much knowledge about the nature of the universe over the last century or so. It's rapid change. It's a lot to adjust to. I get that. But I feel as though a victim's of overthinking reality. And finally, you really need to question how possible it would be, and for exactly what reason, to fake the myriad of things that would need to be faked and hidden in order to pull off a hoax the scale of an entire planet. Do you realize exactly how big this planet is? I mean, it's not Jupiter, but it's no joke. I'm enjoying listening to your podcast because it's ludicrously funny, but at the same time, it's mind-numbingly tragic to think you are all so lost. I hope you find some peace with this and come to your senses. Sincerely, Chris. It's emails that like that that <laughs> really make me lose faith in humanity. <laughs> so, yeah, so I read this and I'm like, you, I responded and I actually said, you know, listen to uh, uh, the upcoming episode because I, I want to respond to this, but it's way too much to type here. And so I wanted to respond to it. And I think Dave jumped on it and was like, Show me proof of the curve. <laughs> you- well, you know what? I love when people say there's so there's so much proof of the ball earth. And I'm like, there's so much evidence, they say. And that's all they have. Yeah. That there's, there's so, so much. much. I'm like, show me one, show me one. <laughs> proof. Just one. I, I'm offering people thousands of dollars. Just one proof. Right, right. One proof, and and nobody has been able to come up with anything. Well, you're just going to say it's fake. I'm like, no, I'm not. Show me you know, pictures of Earth. You're going to say they're all fake. Show me one, and I'll show you how it's fake. And then if you want to deny that, which you can't. Um, yeah. It, it, Agreed. There's none. I know. There's zero. Yeah. The f- all science proves the Earth is not spinning or spherical. Yeah, it's like this. It's like... So I was looking at his email, and there was a lot of things that caught my eye that I wanted to respond to. That was one of them, the fact that he puts very simply, there is ample evidence and explanation for the globe as we know it. And the first response I had in my head was... But they never they never offer one. They always say there's ample, but they never offer yeah, one. Yeah, and I'll say there's evidence, but there's not proof. And there is no one proof, or we would, uh, a lot, many of us wouldn't be on this, this flat earth deal. Uh, but but the, thing that, the overwhelming thing that I, I took from it was... I was right there with him, like when I first heard this, and I've got to, you know, he says most flat earthers are this or that, but I don't think he's really looked into this because another thing he said, he says, you're asserting that there's an alternate reality at foot. You've suggested what you think it is, but you're failing to provide any explanation as to how or why the model exists. And that's completely off because, you know, at least once or twice an episode or at least every episode or other episode, we talk about the why. We don't know the why, but there's plenty of theories, and I think it goes back to the science versus religion stuff. Um, again, you don't have to be religious to believe that there's something, uh, there, there's a huge feud between science and religion. But the other thing he says is, you know, right off the top of his email, he says, 
you're the ones making the assertions and the burden of proof now lies upon you. I thought the same thing, Dave, until I looked into the quote unquote proof of the globe. There is none. There's none. There's none. And so I always say to people, just supply me one, not 10, not 20, just one, but I'll start. We can see too far. Okay. We can see too far. Uh, then we shouldn't be able to now show me one. Now you give me one that proves that the earth is a ball. No, there's, there's none. none. And uh, what's so interesting to me is that, you know, he says the, the burden of proof lies upon you. And it's it, it actually science says, you know, they'll always say this in their little sound bites. Mainstream scientists will say, you know, what do they say? Extraordinary claims requires extraordinary evidence. Extraordinary exactly. evidence. And when you go back in time. So Chris, Rewind, see if your mind can go back four or 500 years when Copernicus introduced this model. This was an extraordinary claim to say the least, right? Now, do yourself the, 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 the favor or the justice of, of seeing this thing through. I want you to go back and look at the extraordinary evidence, the actual extraordinary evidence that was provided by mainstream scientists to validate this extraordinary claim and that's what i did and i'm you know i'm not being a smart ass to chris i'm saying the truthfully that's what i did i went back in time and tried to see the extraordinary evidence because once yeah the globe is an extraordinary claim uh you know 500 years ago i went back and looked at the evidence and it's just not there they don't have the proof they don't have any experiment to just to to back up any of these theories it's just it's hollow not not the earth i don't mean that <laughs> it's not the hollow earth but i'm saying the the it's a very hollow um case that they've sold to us over 500 years have you uh seen this new documentary that's coming out concave earth oh boy no yeah there, there's this new thing they're they're having a conference or something and then there's this documentary coming out and i'm trying to figure out what it is and i think they're trying to um get people to look at that instead of flat earth. And basically what it is, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a flat earth floating in space. I don't know. It's so, uh, it, is it, it um, is it the Lord Stephen Christ stuff? No, no, it's not. It's not that. Um, we'll hear more about it. I, I, I just, I, I, again, I'm being paranoid, which doesn't mean they're not out to get me <laughs> that they're trying to, to to lead people down another hallway you know, rather than go to flat earth you know we'll take them down this it's ridiculous and and then they stop looking you know right now um as we're recording everyone's on flights to hungary for the laser test the fe core laser test mm, that's right and i i FE have core, uh, yeah. I, I i'm very uh curious to see what happens because you know they've posed this thing as you know, I think it's going 40 miles or 40 kilometers at whatever the distance is. It's plenty. Um, and they're it's a, they're posing it as the world's record <clears throat> laser test. Um, but in reality, it's going to prove that the <laughs> earth is flat. And they have you know film crews and geodetic surveyors and everything going. If they successfully pull this off, it's going to prove that the earth is flat. And that's can't happen so what do you think is going to happen i don't know what's going to happen but you know you've heard me talk about what i call the law of scientific uncertainty which comes from um 
the guy that wrote my big uh, my big toe. Um, it's based on his name, but it'll come to me. And basically, it's, oh yes, 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 yeah, uh, Thomas or whatever. Tom something, yeah. yeah. Um, and basically, it says you know if something isn't meant to be known, you can't make it known with certainty. Hmm. With 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 certainty, so this is going to be certain. So. What's going to happen? Is the laser going to break? Is someone going to steal the laser? Is somebody going to get a driving ticket? You know, is a plane going to get delayed? I, I don't know. I don't know. Or is it going to work? And now is the time for Flat Earth to be revealed. Yeah. Th- uh, Thomas Campbell. That's his name. Thomas Campbell. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't think of it uh, until just now. But uh, so, so he says that, and he means, I guess, so it's not going to come out until it's ready to come out. And if it's not ready to come out, it ain't coming out. If it's not the time, it's it's just you can't make it happen. Huh. Um, you know, like two people can experience something supernatural, but if 50,000 people are watching, it doesn't happen because that's you can prove it. Like you and I have a supernatural experience. Everyone will be like, oh, yeah, Jay and Dave, yeah, maybe it happened. I, I don't know. I can't prove it. I wasn't there. But if 50,000 people are watching, it actually wouldn't happen if you could think from it. Wow. It's interesting, interesting, uh, interesting concept that he brings up. Yeah, I've watched some of his stuff before on um, on YouTube. Some of his his um, his lectures. Yeah, and he's a smart cat, and he's definitely out there. I mean, he's not on the he's definitely on the fringe. You know what I mean? Sure. And I like that. I really do. Um, wish science had more Thomas Campbells. All right. So here's what we're gonna do. Why don't we take a break? Let's uh, come back in just a minute and let's crack open some speak pipes because we got a lot of catching up to do on that as well. All right. All right. We'll be right back, folks. The Flat Earth Podcast. You want to leave a digital voicemail for us? Head over to theflatearthpodcast.com and click on the blue link that reads, Got a question? Send us a message. You can do it from your iPhone or from your computer. First time you do it on your cellular phone, you'll have to download a little app. But after that, you can leave us all kinds of messages. If you want to be anonymous, you can make up a name, make up an email address. We don't care. We just want to hear what you have to say. We'll do our best to play or answer these questions and comments on future episodes right here on the Flat Earth Podcast. Download the Speak Pipe app and check us out at theflatearthpodcast.com. The Flat Earth Podcast. If you're watching this audio on YouTube right now and you're not familiar with the world of podcasting, there's a far better way to listen to the Flat Earth Podcast each and every week. Think of it like your TiVo or your DVR is to your television. You subscribe to whatever show that you like. Whenever a new episode comes out, it records it, downloads it, and notifies you that there's a new episode for easy listening anywhere. Another great feature on most podcast players is you could speed up if you want to hear stuff even faster or more importantly it has a jump back and jump forward 30 seconds so you could skip annoying announcements like this we're on itunes stitcher soundcloud and so many more if we're not on your favorite podcast app send us a message and let us know to make sure we will be the flat earth podcast all right back with us here on the flat earth podcast and before we get into some speak pipes dave during the break, we quickly were researching the uh, what you said was concave earth, but it's actually the convex earth group. And I'll just give out their website because I'm so confused. But the name of their this group is convexearth.org. Go check out their page because I, I can't really, it's tough to nail down what they're into here. Like several flat earth models, but 
but yet convex earth would imply that it's a ball, right? Correct. So I'm kind of confused. Also, they're on YouTube as uh, convex earth, no space. So I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. If anyone has any ideas on what this is, um, shoot us an email or speak. By they're getting a lot of publicity. And the little I know about it, I just feel like they're trying to lead people away from the true flat earth. Or maybe it's a, a bridge to get people to flat earth. I, I, that's one thing I know is that I, that I don't know. I definitely don't. Now, I will say this. Um, 35 days and 13 hours is the countdown to the release of their documentary, which would put that out, uh, I guess, sometime at the end of March, March 31st, April 1st, somewhere in there. So, yeah, I guess be on the lookout for that. And if anybody knows anything about these guys or I, I, I we searched around for the about and the, um, uh, the, the about section, the documentation, the, there's a, there's a tab that says documentation and you click on theories, but it just says content available soon. So, no telling. Very interesting. Is it a um, disinfo tactic or is this legit? I'm not sure. Okay. Speak pipe it All up. Right, here we go. Let's speak pipe it, folks. Uh, first off, here's something from James. Hey, guys. Uh, James here. Enjoying the uh, podcast. Um, today I saw something really weird in the sky. I was wondering if you guys have ever seen anything like it. Um, it's pushing the shopping cart from the grocery store to the car. And the sun was setting low in the sky, it was late in the day, sun was low in the sky, and the southwest, and then um, full sun. And then I saw a few degrees, maybe 10, 15, 20 degrees to the west, there was like this crescent sun in the sky. It was crescent-shaped sun, super bright. Um, it was in, this, in, this, in the sky at the same time in the same part of the sky as the actual sun, which was, you know, about an hour, an hour or so away from setting. So I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that. It's really weird. Thanks. Bye. All right, a little bit of a sound issue there. That's from James... And Dave, have you ever seen the crescent-shaped sun in the sky with the sun? You know, I've seen the sun, um, you know, low on the horizon, and then you see another bright spot off to the side. And it's usually when the sky is filled with particulates that they've been spraying all day. Um, the only thing that I can think is happening is that, you know, the sun that we see is a reflection um, of the of the real sun, and perhaps all of the particulates are capturing, you know, an- making another reflection. Not sure what it is. I don't believe that it's another planet or another sun. I just believe that it is um, taking, it, it's just another reflection of the same sun. That's right. my opinion. I would, I would tend to have that opinion as well. Um, I don't think it's necessarily another sun. I think it's probably a, um, a morphed reflection or a duplicate or something of a sliver, you know, of that same sun. But, but again, I'd have to see it. I don't know. Just, that's just my first guess. Um, if you ever see it again, James, uh, try to get that on video. All right. This is from Ryan. Hi, I'm curious to know why people are trying to launch balloons into space to try and determine whether the earth is curved because surely if the earth is a flat disc, and you look at it from a slight angle, it will curve on the size anyway, although from a different reason. And you can test that. You take a beer cap, look at it from its edge, but just tilt it just slightly. It will curve on each end, it will curve downwards, but for different reasons 
why you know compared with a globe so that's the problem trying to determine whether the earth is flat just from the fact whether it curves at the edges or not is is a bit of a misnomer really because it's going to be curving on the edges anyway whether it's a disc or a globe so uh, yeah that's all i can say on that cheers there yeah if you're up in a balloon or a, a high altitude situation and you're looking at a flat disc then you're right you will see a what appears to be a slight curve but it's not necessarily a curve in uh, an up and down curve of the surface it's the uh, front and back curve it's the it's looking at the record you know from its level type thing or looking the at the analogy that i use is if you get a hula hoop, a hula put your hoop head, yep. yeah put your head in the middle uh have it level with your eyes the edge of the hula hoop is the limit of your eyesight or the you know, right. you know where the the convergence point is or as far as you can see you're seeing a flat circle a flat curve and it's only your lifelong globe programming that makes you see a ball yeah yeah i'll go with that too um yeah thanks for the call ryan next up this is from Oh, yeah, let me let me say this, because um, I guess to answer his question, he said, why are people wanting to go up? Um, I think I heard Jaron and, and Bob talking about this recently, but, you know, one good idea for, for high-altitude balloon purposes when it comes to the flat Earth is if you could get two or three up at once filming where the sun is in the sky and triangulate that type of thing, it would prove if you could get three balloons up and pinpoint at the same time where the sun is in rel in relation to each of those balloons you could actually prove by triangulation that the sun is not 93 million miles away so that is one thing one great thing that could come from high altitude balloons wouldn't it be a lot easier just to put a reflective ball 150 miles up in the air and have it reflect the sun at nighttime orbiting the earth every 90 minutes oh of course yes yeah. <laughs> you know what let's just do the humanity star a three-foot ball, a three-foot disco ball. All right, this next one is from Andy. Hey, guys. Love the show. I just had a question about uh, Crow 777's um, lunar wave that he recorded, and he says that it is a hologram that is, I guess, masking the real moon. And um, one of the things that I was thinking of, maybe – one of the reasons a hologram is covering the moon like that is because supposedly you can do a test to prove that we've been to the moon by shooting a laser at the moon and hitting retro reflectors that they supposedly put up there when they uh, went to the moon. Um, you think that could be the reason why they have this uh, hologram covering the real moon? Or is there a bigger uh, reason that they have done this is it because with the camera equipment now if we could see the real moon it would just be even more proof okay um are you following that line of questioning so first of all he was saying that uh crow says that it's a hologram that covers the moon i'm not sure I'm not crow sure. is saying it's a hologram right that's what i was about to say yeah I, i'm not sure crow's ever said i think crow's kind of stood by the not sure what it is type thing it alludes to a hologram of sorts i he he says that it's not a physical place that you can walk on right. um but it, one thing that he says for sure is we don't know because we haven't been there and we could only speculate and there's you know there's evidence that it's not a solid terra firma 
place. Yeah, and I'm I'm under the impression, like, is the, the, of course, all of this is just opinion stuff here, but it's my opinion or my my thought process is that what Crow caught that lunar wave is a symptom of something that explains what the moon really is, rather than something of the actual moon to cover the moon. Does that make sense? Correct. The the moon, again, in my opinion, is not physical. And what we're seeing with that lunar wave, it, it could be a, a refresh frame or, or, or something. We don't know. It, it could be a, a wave of water. You know, I was about to say, it could be a layer of water. Yeah, we, we, we don't know, but there's no reflectors on the moon. Uh, that, that, that's all been pretty clearly uh, debunked. Yeah, and I was sitting there racking my brain as he as he was asking the question, trying to figure out uh, a good place to send him for one of the videos that debunks the laser on the moon, and I cannot for the life of me think of what it, which one. I want to say Jaron's got a really good one on that, but let's just say we'll get back to you, Andy, when we can think of which one it is. <laughs> is that cool? Because I can't remember. Do yeah, you? no, Jaron has, has uh, done some good work on that. So Jaronism... Um, if you can't find that video there, you'll find a whole bunch of other videos that'll get you thinking. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next up, this is from Jeffrey. Hello, I'm Jeffrey from Texas, and I would like to know that it, when ships go further away, they get smaller and smaller and smaller and disappear. And that works both on a globe and, and on the flat Earth. Okay, I'm with you. But if the sun is smaller and closer on a flat Earth than on a globe, then when it goes away, why doesn't it get smaller and smaller and smaller and disappear? Instead, it disappears below the horizon, lowers beneath the horizon as if we're on a globe. I would like to hear your thoughts. Thank you. So, in fact, Jeffrey, sometimes it does get smaller. Um, there's m plenty of videos where, especially in drier, um, cl drier climate areas, where if you get up like on a mountaintop and you... People have filmed the, uh, the the time lapse of the sun. As it goes away from you, you can clearly see it getting smaller and smaller. As many of the ones though over water or um, lower altitudes, where there's a lot of condensation, water in the air, those the sun maintains its size the entire way as it goes away from you. And the the reason it maintains its size is it is getting smaller due to perspective, um, but it's also getting more magnified as we're seeing through more moist air. So it's a beautiful balance of shrinking and being magnified. Yeah, Rob Skiba has a great little video that shows that. And it also, um, it sets over a flat plane. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, a little difficult to describe on the Flat Earth podcast here, but th there's a playlist on my YouTube channel, which is D-I-T-R-H, stands for Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, if you don't know. And just go to the Sunsets playlist. There's about a dozen videos there, and that will uh, start to give you a, a clearer picture of how the sun sets on a flat Earth. Yeah, yeah. Can't recommend that enough, especially Rob's video where he uh, uses some uh, rudimentary uh, experimentation to actually show the magnification of the sun as it goes away from you. And so, you know... I, I totally understand his question, though. I really do, because that was something that I, I stumbled upon really, really early. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Shouldn't it shrink? One of the best questions. It is. It's one of the biggest questions. And I don't want to say that, you know, 
Uh, it's a hard question. It's just an involved question, and it takes a little time to see all of the evidence and understand it. Correct, correct. All right. So next up, we've got a question from Oz. Hey, guys. So I'm new to the podcast. I'm having a lot of fun listening to you guys. Uh, new to the whole Flat Earth thing as well. Um, looking into it, it's very interesting and finding it very intriguing. Uh, one thing that's kind of got me thinking um, right off the bat is when I think about the whole lunar landing. I'm not on board with the lunar landing myself. Um, but the fact that they're still saying today uh, that we're finally going to get past the low Earth orbit, yet the moon's outside of low Earth orbit. Uh, isn't that kind of proof enough to hear that? I just would love to hear your thoughts on it. And thanks for your time. Bye. Okay, great question from Oz regarding uh, the lower Earth orbit conundrum that NASA actually admitted or put themselves into when they announced that we're still trying to figure out how to send man past lower Earth orbit. And yes, lower Earth orbit, for those who are just getting into this, is 250 miles up, two to 300 miles up is, is what we call, and, and below is what we call lower Earth orbit. And no man has gone past that. I think the 400 mile mark was reported by someone. The moon is 230-something thousand miles away. So it's way past that. Supposedly on a ball. Supposedly, yeah. In the heliocentric model, it has to be that far away for the sizes and the distances. For the entire source, for everything to work, it has to be 240,000 miles away. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely a hole in, or it's definitely a, a problem that they, a can of worms that they open for themselves. What is your theory, though, Dave? I want to know your theory because I've got my own on why they said that in that video. I have no idea, Jay. <laughs> I cannot figure that one why out. Why did they slip? Like, was it a slip up? I don't think so. I think they're just trying to literally Mandela history. Me they're, too. They're, they're trying to just make it so, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years from now, people will be like, oh, I don't think we ever went to the moon. You know, I don't. We're, we're just getting over low Earth orbit. We're going to Mars. Uh, people forget things amazingly fast. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that they are trying to uh, gradually do this type of thing. Like, uh, it's a, uh, what do you call it, a, a slow rollout of the truth. And the reason for that is, is I think that the, they realize they cannot ever, I mean, they can't keep that charade up forever. And I think that the gig is, the, the jig's up. I think that they know that so many people doubt the moon landing already. I think that their best play, they figured out their best play is this. Drop a few bits of truth about not getting out of low orbit here and there for the youngsters, for the young crowd, right? And let those who experience the moon landing die off, literally, physically. Let this right. thing get 75, 80 years old. A hundred years from now, someone will find a book on the moon landing and they'll go, oh, look at this science fiction book. You know, they, they won't right. believe it. It'll be it'll be like the ancient books that we find, you know. Oh, the, oh this is just uh, yeah. You know, in the best. year twenty seventy, it'll be like no way, dude. We can't get out of low Earth. I mean, they didn't go to the moon. This has got to be fiction. It's got to be science fiction. And one thing that I think is really crazy, as far as like rewriting history goes, is like, come on, man. I, I haven't talked to anyone who who doesn't repeat the same thought. When we were in school, we were told that. Columbus, or some people say Magellan, but the sailors in the in the 1400s realized that the boats were going over the curve, and everyone thought the world was flat up until then. Isn't that what you were taught, Dave? Yep. Okay, now 
they've been slipping in. It's it's not since the last few years they've been slipping in this the the well the ancient Greeks have known since whatever it was BC right. We've known for three thousand years that the Earth is round. They're literally changing history before our eyes. Easily, easily done. Yeah, we're actually like just watching it happen. I mean, you know, um, and, and I have no doubt that the kids in school, if they're not already right now, they will be in the next couple of years being taught no longer about the ships going over the curve with Columbus. I think they're going to be taught that we've known for two or three thousand years. Because that's what scientists are saying everywhere. It's like their go-to phrase, their go-to line. So, yeah, I, I think that the moon landing, I think the same thing's going to happen. I think that gradually they're going to erase it from history. And 40 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, once everyone has, has kind of died out, um, I think that they're going to just slowly change the story to we didn't go and we can't go. That's just my take, my opinion. I say anything over 150 years old is up for grabs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we know they say that as well. All right. This is from Dustin. Great question. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for all that you do. Um, I just had a, a quick thought. I was I was watching the full super moon or whatever it was last night, and I was just thinking how bright it must be to be able to reach the Earth. I mean, that thing's got to be really intense bright at the source if it can reach us here at 240,000 miles with their figures or even 3,000 if you use ours. But NASA photos show no brightness, and looks like they're just taking pictures here on Earth. Um, I don't think you could take a clear photo if it was as bright as it is you know, as a, if it can reach the earth from there. But anyway, you guys had D Marvel on your show a while back and you were talking about the, how the day moon would be a full moon if it is a reflection. And also I think that you could see the uniform glow in all directions from the moonlight. Um, so it's, it's its own light source, but people argue about multiple light sources being used on the moon land, moon footage um, because of the shadows going in all directions. But if the moon is really as bright as it is, there wouldn't be any shadows period. So Thanks, guys, for what you do. Give me your thoughts. Uh, have a good So the, the sunlight, I mean, the light coming from the moon is so bright that, you know, if you're out in a dark field or the ocean, you could read by it. It, it actually is enough light to cast a shadow, um, your shadow, on the ground. Right. That's not sunlight reflecting off of a dusty, dirty ball. And then if you reverse it, the Earth, which is way bigger and way shinier with its reflective oceans, um, should be lighting up the moon with Earthshine. Sure. Uh, but that ju that just does not happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the other thing I was going to bring up, too, is that you know when you when you take into consideration just how bright that moon is from a supposed 240,000 miles away, then I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of the Apollo astronauts sailing out through space, and they get halfway there. That light would have been blinding them, without a doubt, because it's going to get brighter as you get closer. You know, if it's if it's lighting, like I say, if you can read by it at night, the full moon, <laughs> um, you know, at two hundred forty thousand miles. Imagine being 30,000 uh, 30, miles up from the moon. Imagine getting getting really really close when the guy's uh, what's his name, the third astronaut is is just going around in circles while the while the other two uh, clowns are on the on the moon itself. You know that light should have been blinding them. Should have, yeah. If you, you know, a lot of people short circuit when you say the inverse square rule, but the the light has to be 
uh, every time you half the distance has to be four times brighter. So the amount of candlelights it would have been would have been blinding. Um, but the astronauts showed the moon as they got there, and it was just you know regular lit. There's a there's a video by uh, Flat Earth Rethinking Science um, YouTube channel called Flat Earth No Rockets in Fake Space slash NASA Forgot to Light Up the Moon. Did you see that? And, I don't know if I a, saw that it, one. I mean, it's it's the NASA. There's when they were orbiting the moon, and you could see the Earth rising, which is a whole other thing. You know, the NASA fanboys will say, "Well, that's because the ship wasn't on the on on the moon; it was orbiting the moon." Fine. The Earth is completely lit up, which means the sun is above, but the moon is dark. You can see the dark moon. They forgot to light yeah, the moon. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't even match up to what to reality, which you would see. If you were on the ground, that dark, you know, that that gray, dull surface of the moon, um, you're t- that's the surface that that literally lights up my backyard um, from 240,000 miles away. There's just no way. And I would say, look at the full moon when there's a full moon, and see that it's lit, even top, top all the way from edge to edge. No bright spot, no shaded edges, and then get a spotlight and a ball in a dark area. I do it outside and see if you can light that ball up without shading yeah. in a hot spot. Yeah, I, I actually used that recently um, to show someone uh, with one of those big fitness balls, you know, that are I guess what two or three feet in diameter. Um, yep. it's great because it's not a it's not a mirror, but it's a very reflective surface, right? And turn the lights out, put it in the corner of the room. And shine any flashlight on that ball. Doesn't matter what size. I mean, you, you, you can do it with a, a big studio light that's yeah, bigger than the ball itself, and you will always see a hot spot in the area that faces the light directly. And then you will see it start to the light starts to kind of taper off around those edges. That is not what you see when you see a full moon. Let me let me be a baller for a second. Jay, is that spotlight you're using uh, 93 million Absolutely miles away? Absolutely not, because if it was, it wouldn't even hit the freaking uh, moon. <laughs> <laughs> you baller. All right. Let's go. Uh, great stuff there, Dustin. A lot of, yeah, the, the moon tells all, man. There's so many problems with the moon itself. It's not even funny. Um, here we go. This is from Benjamin. Hey, you guys. Um, I've been following the uh, flat earth theory for uh, about a year now. And, uh, well, actually, I just recently stopped, but I still listen to your podcast just because I'm curious and I, I like the way you guys uh, break things down. But um, I ran into a wall as soon as I, I started. I never really looked deep into anything. I, I was just listening just to get the overall gist of what's going on. And it's been pretty fascinating, uh, uh, the kind of uh, um, footing it has uh, gotten. Um, but as soon as I started to look into one thing, and it was the Southern Hemisphere Flights, and I started to really uh, spend a lot of time on it. It was sort of no-brainer to me that the Earth was, well, not 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 necessarily. There, there could be a, an explanation, but I can't imagine what it is. But if you uh, if if you sort of plot all the different flights, they all paint the picture of a round Earth. All right, great. Uh, so that's the end of the call from Benjamin. All right, we've we've just talked about this before on the show. Now, first of all, Benjamin, um, not they don't all. I'll stop you right there. They don't all indicate a ball of Earth. In fact, many of them, the flight. I would say None of most them. of the flight <laughs> paths themselves um, work on the flat Earth model, 
uh, way, way, way. They make way, way, they make way more sense on the Flat Earth model than they do the globe. There's a couple of flights that have come, uh, come about in the last few years. The nonstop from uh, Chile to Sydney, the nonstop from uh, Auckland to Santiago, maybe that go against the Gleason map measurements. Yeah, it has it has been explained away. Um, again, on Jaronism's channel uh, and on our Facebook page, we have uh, Southern Flights Explained. If you just look look that up, and there's uh, you know two, three, you know three hundred fifty mile an hour uh, predictable right. wind currents at forty thousand feet that these planes can get in. These planes can also fly at faster speeds uh, than they tell us. And uh, that this explains how these flight times uh, can be achieved uh, without yeah. much effort. Um, the biggest thing for me on the flights, if you go to YouTube and search um, Flat Earth uh, 5 Emergency Landings, maybe, or Flat Earth yep. Emergency Landings, and get a globe, because the only way to really do this is to get a globe and get a piece of string and take one of the uh let's see san francisco to um san francisco to like uh dubai there was a, a flight that went you know that, that was going that path it was non-stop and you can go east from san francisco or you can go west either way take a piece of string and put one end of it on san francisco the other end on dubai and tighten the string until it's flush against the globe that is the way you find your shortest path and you read these articles where just last year this flight had an emergency stop because of such and such on board the plane and it stops in Moscow and then try to look at your string and see where Moscow Moscow is in relation to that string and it makes zero sense then go on the yeah and it's a straight line take your string and do the same thing on a flat earth map and look what's on the way from point A to point B Right there in the middle is Moscow, and there's quite a few. And I think this is the, uh, the 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 kink in the armor, the Achilles heel of the flight system. I think they've got it pretty worked out, where they've given pilots and and the public an explanation of, oh, we take these polar routes. These uh, polar routes are shorter on a globe, but in fact, these emergency landings to me are the the tell all, if you will. There's just. Uh, you know, it goes back to the one from from like Taiwan to Los Angeles, where the uh, the woman last year she was going to give birth on the flight, or she did. She goes into labor on the flight, and they do an emergency landing in Anchorage, Alaska. You know, what was wrong with Hawaii? You know, um, so look that up, and and right. um, and and also look into Jaren's videos, Jaren'sism's so videos that he's put out on the on the flight paths and the and the flights, the Southern Hemisphere flight routes. I've taken the most common asked questions and the videos that answer them and have uh, embedded them on the Flat Earth Podcast Facebook page. So if you're ever looking for an answer, uh, the videos are, are there with nice big titles on them so you can find them uh, easy, a good place to send people or go for your own research. There you go. Thanks for the question, Ben, and keep, uh, keep it up. Keep, keep, uh, keep searching, man. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Here's one from Shane. 
Hey guys, just want to get your thoughts about something real quick. Uh, episode 16, you had a guy call in, speak pipe concerning meteorites. Hey, I'm a follower of Yeshua. Um, I believe the Bible is to be taken literally. Um, for instance, Haley's Comet comes around every 75 to 80 years. Uh, the Bible tells us that the stars, the sun, and the moon are put in the firmament for signs and seasons, times, and years. Um, and in the book of Psalms, it says that... Um, the generation of a man should be 75 to 80 years or 70 to 80 years. Um, is it possible that Haley's Comet specifically is a beginning and ending of a generation, uh, a sign in the sky for the start of a generation and the ending of a generation? The four um, uh, meteorite showers that we have throughout the course of the year, could they possibly be just signs for seasonal changes? Um, don't know, just my thoughts. Um, wonder what you thought about it. Thanks a lot. Enjoy this podcast. Keep it up. Wow, uh, great call, Shane. And uh, yeah, never heard that theory before with the generational deal. Uh, kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier in the beginning of the podcast when I mentioned the um, uh, the eclipses and the and the meteors or whatever being signs and and what they're signs of we don't know. Yeah, could the Haley's comment be a generational marker? Wow, I've never heard that before. It, it could be it. It, it's a sign of something. It, it, it's definitely marking a time cycle. I believe it's every seventy-six years that it comes back. Um, don't don't quote wow, me. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, but it's a great, great way. Um, that's how people should be thinking. I think. And and also the the you know the the meteor showers that we have at the same time every year. That is definitely a, a sign in the sky for uh, a seasonal change. Definitely. All right, this next one is from Glenn. Hey, guys. Big fan here. I've been following Dave since the deep inside the rabbit hole days. I just finished the Brooks Agnew podcast you guys just covered. Uh, I wanted to mention something. I was in HVAC school, and I had taken a solar class, and I had learned all sorts of stuff. Um, And I've been following Flat Earth and Hollow Earth for years now, but... One thing we covered was the azimuth angle because uh, you need it to factor in, uh, you know, your angles for um, your panels and whatnot. And I had never seen the azimuth map. I didn't even know there was one. I had just known that there's a chart for angles um, from what they taught us. Had I seen that, I would have known immediately it was a flat earth map. And it just blew my mind when you guys mentioned it because I, I said, oh, azimuth. Oh, I know. I know about that. Boom. Flat Earth map. That's crazy. Anyway, thanks. Love the show. Yeah. Um, He makes a good point that there's a lot of occupations out there that would do better and should be teaching uh, their trades on the Asmuthal map, but yet they don't. That map is really kept kind of quiet until the Flat Earth explosion. Right, the azimuthal equidistant map um, makes a lot of sense, and it is used uh, in the solar business. You have to set your mm-hmm. azimuth. Yeah, um, we we uh, another area back when I used to work for um, a company that, that specialized in, in um, uh, drilling, uh, the oil drilling. Right, we used things like the azimuth for your direction the magnetic declination all these things just over and over we use these we we did we used them on every single job we had to go to a a three-month 
academy just to learn the science behind the stuff um, to, to help these drillers, to help these oil companies when they would drill down into the earth. And never once did anybody ever factor in, first of all, the curvature formula, which should be factored in when you're trying to drill and hit these spots under the ground. Uh, the, the, after you after you run several miles of pipe down into the earth, going different directions, right? Different azimuths, because sometimes they dogleg. They go they go down for a mile, then they cut left and they go for another mile. Like these, the curvature of the earth would definitely make a difference in hitting your target or not hitting your target. But on top of that, as far as the azimuth and the magnetic de declination stuff goes, we were never provided the azimuthal projection map. And it really would have made things a lot clearer. And yet, we weren't either. So you're not alone in that aspect, Glenn. All right, let's get one more, Dave. All right, this one is from John. Hi, guys. This is John from Ireland. Uh, great listening to you all the time. Um, question of mine, it's got to do with the, the sort of debate you had between Darren Nesbitt, Laurie, David Weiss, um, and Jaron. Um, on the AE map, I love the AE map, but one thing doesn't work out, and, and Darren makes this point, that the sun while orbiting the Tropic of Cancer would need to travel much slower than when it travels around the Tropic of Capricorn. But the person viewing the sun in both the north and south hemis uh, see that it travels at the same speed across the sky. How can this be? Um, yeah, if you can answer that for me, it'd be great. Thank you. All right, the old, I was about to say, the old sun going the different speed question. Yeah, uh, great, great question, and uh, a very difficult one to answer because we're not up there. Um, you know, the speed of the sun is like the hand on a clock. You know, if you're closer to the center, it's still doing a 20, uh, 360 degrees every 24 hours, but when you're out farther on that hand, it is moving faster. But um, it doesn't appear to be moving faster uh, when you're in the southern hemisphere or hemisplane, as I like to call it now. Um, and that's because the sun, you have to remember that the sun renders in a different place depending on your position. So perhaps that the sun, when you're out um, in the outer lands, is rendering higher, also being magnified bigger. So it the size will remain the same. Um, but it is moving faster, but because it's higher, you can't tell. So it's doing that delicate dance of size, distance, speed, and height, um, which, which negate each other. Uh, um, that also explains how people are seeing the sun south of the Tropic of Capricorn. Um, to me, I can see that making a lot of sense. It, it's a, a difficult one to prove, but uh, it... it it works for me. Does that make sense? Did you follow that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. And and I don't know is my answer yeah. <laughs> as far as uh, what it's actually what's actually going on. We we don't know. I'm not afraid to say that as far as like, you know, same thing with the meteor question. I don't know. However, I know what it's not. Another thing another <laughs> thing is, you know, the sunlight and daylight are different things. Um, and if the sun is rendering higher and bigger, uh, which makes it look the same and traveling faster but because it's higher it still looks like approximately the same speed as the inner northern hemisphere. Um, this could explain why twilight uh, in the southern land is 
minutes. And in the you know where I am in the north, uh, we have ninety minutes. It lasts for a long. Yeah, time. hour, hour and a half of twilight. But you know, certain times right. a year uh, during the summer uh, in the southern uh, the southern lands, when the sun sets five minutes later, it's pitch black. Um, I believe yeah. that's because the sun is moving much faster. Uh, but you're still seeing that sun for the same distance uh, from rise to set that you would on the inner. Uh, northern areas yeah and i think a couple episodes back we were talking about your experiment idea with the um to get a bubble like a cook tray and make a little bubble right and then shine a light on the bubble so when you talk about things like that like in other words maybe the sun itself isn't a solid object moving across the sky maybe it is a rendering of light from a, a another source from a from an actual physical source somewhere else that's shining you know just imagine like we say taking a flashlight shining it on a bubble and then moving your light in your hand around and what it's going to do at different spots on that i got to throw everything that you know out the window when you're looking at things new and differently like that and the thing that i always tell people is this those of us who are really working on the actual mechanics and trying to figure this out you know the fe cores and the gerunds and the you know, all of us, right, that are doing all this this work to figure it out, keep in mind that we've had about two and a half years. And we've made some really, really um, uh, huge leaps, I'll say, in figuring things out. But the heliocentric side of things has had 500 years, 2,000 if you listen to the new science <laughs> tale, and yet there's still so many holes in it that go unexplained and yet no one questions it because science says so so just give everyone time i i think these i if it wasn't something that i thought we could figure out eventually i i'd give up trying but i think that we will dave what about you yeah absolutely i think uh we've really uh, come a long way since flat earth has um come to the forefront of our thinking Mm-hmm. And uh, more and more people are waking up every day. You know, I saw I was uh, waiting uh, somewhere. I had a few minutes to kill. And uh, there was a young girl doing her um, college homework at at the at a desk at a sports club. So I said, hey, what are you studying? I, you know, and she said, oh, philosophy. I said, oh, philosophy is good. I go, but don't believe any of the other nonsense they're going to teach you. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, science all nonsense i go look for yourself and she's like she's asking questions and and i started talking about the stars and the sun and i gave her the analogy of the you know the sun and move it you know eight light minutes away and it turns the size of a dime at arm's length and and i said do you think you could see it at eight times that distance she's like no and i'm like that's only a light hour and she's like wow that's interesting and then she looks at me she goes you don't believe in the flat earth do you (laughs) all right door is open and uh, she was completely open to it. I uh, took her iPhone, showed her how to subscribe to the Flat Earth Podcast using, yeah. the, pod- using the podcast player, and now she is psyched. Um, and she is plowing through uh, from episode one. There you go. Flat Again, Earth. Flat always, Earth. always be flat smacking. Anytime you see somebody got a couple minutes to kill, ask questions. Throw some questions at them. You ever think about this? You ever, you ever see that? Yep. There's your takeaway. That and... Flat Earth, the way to talk to college chicks. <laughs> Stop it. All right, let's wrap it up here. Let's go ahead and uh, close with the latest single from Flat Earth Man. 
And um, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode with a lot more speak pipes and everything else. Dave, anything else to add before we head off in sunset? Always be flat. Always smacking. be flat smacking. There you go. All right, folks, keep it flat. We'll catch you next time. Flat Earth man, back in the house. You ever tried to talk to people about NASA? Huh? Like banging your head on a brick wall, right? <laughs> well, this song. It's all about that. <laughs> Sometimes it's best just to keep your mouth shut, right? <laughs> and don't talk about NASA at all. Listen up. When I started talking about NASA, I lost all my friends. So I don't want to talk about NASA ever again my friends don't understand me and I wish they would I tried to tell them about NASA but it don't do no good no I don't want to talk about NASA ever again Every time I talk about NASA, I lose another one of my friends. Yeah, every time I open my stupid mouth, something about NASA comes flying out. No, I ain't gonna talk about NASA again. Well, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink You can tell people about NASA But you can't make them think Well, they look at me They roll their eyes They shake their head Cause they believe the papers And the TV instead no, I don't want to talk about NASA ever again Cause every time I talk about NASA I lose another one of my friends Yeah, every time I open my stupid mouth Something about NASA comes flying out No, I ain't gonna talk about NASA See, I just want my friends to know all of NASA's lies. I hope one day my friends wake up and they realize. But I feel like I'm banging my head on a wall every single time. If I just got me a bunch of new friends, then I'll be doing fine. No, I don't want to talk about NASA ever again. Cause every time I talk about NASA, I lose another one of my friends. Yeah, every time I open my stupid mouth, 
something about NASA cops flying out of Norway. I am gonna talk about NASA again. So I went down to the to the local bar to meet me a bunch of new friends. Well, I have myself just a couple of beers and started talking about NASA again. Well, things got kind of ugly, and I was, I was punched to the floor. No, I ain't gonna talk about NASA no more. No, I don't wanna talk about NASA. No. Ever again Cause every time I talk about NASA I lose another one of my friends Yeah, every time I open my stupid, stupid mouth Something about NASA comes flying out No, I ain't gonna talk about NASA again One more time, boys no, I don't want to talk about NASA No, ever again Cause every time I talk about NASA I lose another one of my friends Every time I open my stupid mouth Something about NASA comes flying out No, I Talk about NASA. Ever again. <laughs>